Hello and welcome to the Surplus Geek Podcast. I'm Jake and today I am joined by Robert from Robert Seaburn. How's it going? Good, good. How about you? I'm doing pretty good on this nice Sunday. Uh, we already recorded this episode once, but we are recording it again because things changed in the last two weeks. And real quick, before we start talking about such current events, I just want to say that our opinions are our opinions, and we may get things wrong, fog of war and whatnot. We don't know. Things change. Information gets updated. So if we say something wrong in this episode, and in three days, new information comes out, we apologize. We're not going to record an episode every day because, you know, <laughs> that's pretty much what we'd have to do. Every hour, we'd have to record an episode because things are changing so rapidly. So with that being said, uh, because... Robert here is actually from Eastern Europe. He has a different perspective from probably most of the world who is very much so only affected by the gas prices going up. Um, you know, what what have you seen so far uh, in your experience living, you know, in a NATO country that's bordering a country that's being attacked? Well, the, the first thing that I was actually expecting to see was a lot of Ukrainian cars pulling here, but because I live in the very south part of the country. I think I've seen only one of or two of those cars. And th th there's a lot of news that a lot of uh, Ukrainian refugees are coming here, which is actually true. But uh, funny enough, they are not staying here. Uh, and I can, I, can, I can understand that, first of all, Romania is not the greatest country. And second to that, most of Ukrainians have, as far as I've heard, have a lot of relatives and friends in Poland and a lot of those Ukrainians that come to Romania come here just because they couldn't cross to Poland because maybe they were too far away from Poland and closer to Romania uh, and what, what amazed me it's that uh, <clears throat> uh, as I told you privately is that we and Romanians are not the best friends the best neighbors Although a lot of the people, a lot of Romanians mobilized extremely fast and gathered a lot of supplies and food and clothes for, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, I've seen on news, I've heard from friends and YouTubers how, how many, there was so much food for refugees that they had to throw it away because it expired or something like that. And I've seen a list of uh, products that were necessary and a list of products that weren't necessary anymore, like uh, baby diapers or something like that, because there were too many. That's one of the things. And speaking more about the military side of the situation, maybe a lot of people didn't heard about this, but as I told you previously, there was a very weird uh, incident here in Romania, in the southern part of our country, where we are also neighboring Ukraine, the southern part of Ukraine, one Romanian fighter jet that was patrolling the sky uh, uh, disappeared from the radar and obviously a rescue and search team was sent with a helicopter and that one crashed again after like 11 kilometers, so not that much. And this happened uh, in the second part of the, of the last week and uh, everything is forgotten now, let's say. Uh, they they said uh, the authorities they said it was because of a blizzard and bad weather in general, but they just forget about it. It's like yeah, people died because of bad weather and the old uh, technology from our military, and yeah, that's it. And it's quite weird, especially happening 
in the same time with this crazy war happening as well and that close to the to the border and as an area and like ev- everything is kind of chill here like our uh, politicians keep saying that yeah it sucks that it's happening so close to us but nothing is going to happen because of nato and probably wouldn't happen because uh, some people have some skepticism when it comes to NATO and I used to be like that, but NATO sent a lot of troops here from different NATO countries like Italy, Germany, United States, and they keep coming here. We also have a NATO exercise with a lot of like technology and vehicles and troops for all around of the NATO thingy. And I don't really believe anything will happen here because I now truly believe that we will fight together, but NATO and Russia war a direct war, right? I think that also means nuclear war. That's the thing that uh, scared the people the most here. First of all, they emptied the shelves of iodine pills like crazy, even though people, I mean, pe- people don't even know that iodine pills are useless if you are over 40. Like, you can take as many as you want, they are useless. Second to that, people don't know that iodine won't save you from radiation poisoning or many other bad things that happen during and after a nuclear explosion and fallout. Uh, and people, are, this is the thing that scared the most here. The, the things that Putin said about his uh, nuclear uh, forces or something like that. <clears throat> Uh, actually, at the moment, I'm currently looking for another job, and I've already talked with like two companies, uh, including one that I've used to work for, and I have very good relations with my manager. And he said, like, we have to postpone these uh, talks because we don't really know what's going to happen. Mm. And everybody's scared about the, the the so-called nuclear war here, actually. They don't care that much about what is going to happen with all of the refugee crisis. What if we will have a a normal war, a conventional war? They are scared of the nuclear war. Yeah, I I think that's something that's that's the serious implication of this is that, you know, people think that we can just go in and help Ukraine, especially in the United States. And it's like, no, I mean, NATO goes against russia you're right that's probably almost a guarantee of a of a nuclear war and that's the last thing that we really want and i don't think people realize that it's i mean it was immediately after russia like putin announced his nuclear forces are going on high alert that the news started putting out the news started putting out like how do you survive you know the radiation how do you do this how do you do that and i'm like i yeah this is just bad you know it's like you don't want that situation to happen. I know everyone like thinks it's going to be like fallout or something. And I'm not saying everyone thinks that, but you know, people think that like, it's going to be stalker or fallout and you know, yeah. And it's like, although stalker would be pretty scary, but um, you know, it's, it's, it would be devastating. And I, you know, our, our, our actions have to be very precisely calculated to prevent such a, a, an event from happening. And, um, you know, and, and that's why NATO can't really do anything. I mean, it's yeah, unfortunate, yeah, yeah. but it is what it is. And honestly, I don't want NATO to do anything because I don't want to push, push us closer to um, that of uh, that possibility. Because, you, you know, I, in, with this whole invasion thing, Putin's 
done done something that no one thought was. I mean, a lot of us didn't think. We talked in the in the previous recorded version of this. We talked about it. We did. We both didn't think that Putin was actually going to invade. And then four days later, Russian troops are crossing over into Ukraine, which is 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 insane to think about. That you know, is we're now going on over a week and a half of of invasion, and you know it's. I, I I don't know. It's just one of those things where it, it feels like we're living in a in a different universe in a in an alternate dimension because it doesn't just doesn't feel. Re- I thought twenty twenty two was going to be great. It felt like it was going to be the year. You know, looked like we were going to finally beat COVID back enough that things would start to return yeah. to normal. And then next thing you know, Putin's like, "Nah, we can't just have a normal life. <laughs> I got to invade Ukraine." You know, and um, you know, I like I said, I I think it's it's important to get your perspective on this only because. You living in a NATO country, bordering a country that's going to war, you know, you seeing this movement of troops and, and you know, you, you're talking about earlier off stream about the B-52s flying around above, you know, Romanian airspace. That's that's insane. You know, that's there's yeah. that's, you know, um, that's the next level of of, you know, preparation from us. And I mean, back in the day, that was normal. You know, in the 60s, we used to have B-52s flying around literally 24 seven. And then things happen. We realize it wasn't a smart move. We stopped doing that. But, you know, it's, I don't know. It, this whole thing, I don't know. This whole thing is weird to me. I, I It's surreal. It, it almost, like I, like I said, it feels like an alternate dimension. Because as we were talking off stream, it's interesting to see some of Russia's better equipment. It's a mix of older and newer equipment being thrown into this fight. And yeah, some of their better yeah. equipment isn't faring too well and or is being abandoned which is even stranger. Um, so I don't know what your take is on that, but I, you know, you've seen what I've seen, and it, it's pretty wild. Uh, <clears throat> the thing that I've uh, discovered recently, you know, everybody agrees that the morale of the uh, Russian army is very low. They don't really want to fight and stuff like that, and probably that's why we see so many abandoned vehicles. That's why we see so many. Why we see so many farmers taking them. <laughs> Um, and uh, there's another interesting thing. Uh, Ari, as me, you've seen a lot of videos with captured Russian soldiers that <clears throat> keep saying that they don't know why they are there, <clears throat> that they know they knew that we were there only for training, and suddenly they were in Ukraine and they were lost, and they don't really want to fight and stuff like that. Uh, I, I actually fall. Uh, I actually fell for that. Uh, for the most of the time, I like. I, I was really feeling bad for those soldiers, but I've read some articles and some historical stuff, and actually that's a Russian tactic. Uh, mm. When they invaded uh, Hungary in the late 50s and Czechoslovakia in the late uh, 60s uh, to stop their uh, revolution, the captured uh, Soviet soldiers back then were saying the exact same thing. We don't know why, why we are here. We knew we had only a training, an exercise, and suddenly we are in Prague or Budapest. Like Soviet and Russian tactics didn't change that much, and yeah. I think that applies as well for the quantity over quality. They send there everything, bad or good, technology from previously from previous 1991 and technology after 1991, and Godspeed. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Yeah, because they're sending in your older, the older model T-72Bs, 
three B3 yeah. variants, and then they're sending B3s and T80 BVMs and even T90s, which, yeah. you know, it, it, and I mean, and 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 their anti-air capabilities. They're sending all their the Tor M1s and the Osas and Tunguska. So it's 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 not like they're sending in all their bad stuff, but they're also not. They're also set there. It's weird too because it feels like they're sending in both their professional army and some of their not so professional army, the you know the the conscription based uh, forces and stuff. Um, it, it it seems like they they sent. I mean, what I've seen from videos, from news and stuff like that, it seems like the only things that actually inflicted some damage was the ballistic missiles and unguided missiles and probably the use of the thermobotic ones. Yep. If that's actually legit because you cannot be sure of anything right now. And as fighters, I think only the Chechens and the, the special, special forces, those yeah. with the V. But besides that, the regular army seems like only cannon for that. Yeah, it does. It does feel that way, and, it, and it, I know people think like, "Oh, that's just Russia," but they're not. They're not. The, they're not the meme that we all make them out to be. So it's like they do. They do fight. They have fought and won. You know, and done. You know, it's not like the so. It's not like the Soviet army into the Russian army. It's not like they're completely useless. So it is. It's weird seeing them as a what we'd call in the U.S. as a near peer enemy. Um, someone who's near to us in capabilities because it doesn't seem like they even have night capabilities because I don't know if you noticed but like the the fighting almost stops at night they they switch yeah, over yeah. they switch over to shelling places using artillery and barrages and stuff but they're not actually doing the fight like the United States you know we we always talk about owning the night and how important it is to own the night and we rely heavily on our night vision and thermal capabilities and it just feels like the Russians aren't using that and it's bizarre because you know it doesn't even feel like they're using combined um, arms. It doesn't really feel like they're yeah. they're using their infantry with their you know mechanized units and and then using the air nation. support. Yeah, it, yeah. It just feels like they're just like parading through and thinking they're just gonna walk through and it's just gonna all work out. It's it's bizarre from a because from my perspective, being someone who trained uh, to be a tow gunner and take on Russian equipment because that's mainly what we trained against. We were taught we were taught to fear some of these vehicles. We were taught that if you lazed, I mean, it's probably true to a point. You know, we were taught that if you lazed a Russian tank, they knew that you were lazing them. That they have, you know, lazing. Uh, uh, I forgot the name for it, but basically, they can detect that they're being lazed. I don't know how true that is now because it doesn't. Well, I mean, you know, I don't think you need to laze with a javelin. Javelin works very differently from a tow, but. Still, a tow you don't have to laze either. You, you don't have to laze. Lazing is just for figuring out range and stuff. But uh, there's other ways you can pass up range. And but like we were taught to fear these vehicles because you know you once you fire off a tow missile, you kind of just gave away where you are. So you better hope that the thing hits. Or you know it's not like a javelin where you fire the thing off and then you're like I'm out of here. I'm leaving. I'm scooting and and finding a different firing position. So we were taught this thing to fear. And I'm not saying I've lost. Uh, lost that fear or lost that respect for their armored vehicles, but it does change your perspective a little bit in terms of a U.S. in a hypothetical situation, U.S. versus Russia. How effective would we be? Now, the difference being is, and I, I think this is something people need to realize, is if Russia was defending Russia, they're going to fight tooth and nail. They're not going to be yeah. like they are now. This is Russia yeah. invading another country that they clearly don't want to invade. I mean, uh, Godspeed to the people protesting in Russia. Um, I, I mean, they're getting arrested. They're, you know, this is not a free 
country in the sense that at least us Americans are used to in terms of protesting. And, you know, they're, they're up there protesting immediately. And, you know, I don't know if they can really make a difference because the way the politi- geopolitical, their political situation is in Russia with Putin and stuff. But I, I just, I think it's important to note that, that there's, there's people in Russia who don't want to be doing what's, what they're doing. You know, it, it's not like the invasion of Afghanistan in 2001, where we basically, we went in Afghanistan and everyone was behind it because we were all, you know, ready, you know, we, this bad event happened, 9-11 happens and we were like, we got to go. And then next, thing you know, we're there for 20 years. But, you know, that initial first couple of years, we wanted to be in Afghanistan. You know, we wanted, you know, there wasn't really an anti-war movement. Iraq's different. Iraq is a completely different ballpark, but this is, they invade Ukraine and within a day there's already protests. So it's, as far as we know, I mean, you know, I, I would assume that that's legitimate news that there's actual protests in Russia because I feel like that's harder to, you know. And you know, uh, for the previous question that you had for me, how how it how how is it feeling here in Armenia? What's the vibe? Uh, there is a very funny part. I mean, you remember at the start of the pandemic and when it starts to spread around the earth that there was a lot of people that didn't believe that there was a virus. Yeah. Here are, and I believe everywhere, there's the type of people that don't actually believe there is a war. Yep. Yep. I've seen that like, too. What? <laughs> what? I mean, you know, it's one of those things where you can show someone the stuff happening and they'll, they'll, they'll figure out a way to mentally work around it and stuff. I mean, you know. Oh, and, and by the way, sorry uh, that I'm, I'm interrupting you. No, that's fine. One of, one of the biggest uh, news network here, which is full of garbage usually, uh, like most of them, but this one especially, they've actually, uh, they, they were actually commenting and debating over an Arma 3 video. Oh. Like, live yeah with a, with a romanian general Ugh. they were like this is legit and th- th- even the general was like what the f-? and i mean our re- reaction towards the general's reaction was what the f- are you this dumb because th- at some point in that video i i don't think it was even a russian fighter jet in that video it was uh set on the night mode let's say yeah, and at it's at some point the fighter jet was shot, and the the, the player, the pilot, ejected. And the general was like, "And yeah, you can see he here the Russian uh, the Russian pilot ejecting from his plane." Bro, I know it's, I, it's, it's from it's a that, video game. The same thing happened with the footage from DCS. There was footage from DCS that someone said was footage from Ukraine, and and I mean that was a little bit more convincing than the Arma Three footage because the Arma Three footage just you see it immediately and you're like, "Oh, that's Arma Three, but. The DCS footage, people were like, oh, yeah, this is actual footage and stuff. And it's like, no, that's, that's you know, from a video game as well. It's, it's that's the thing. Yeah. That's, that's the problem with this war. There, it's the first H, it's the first truly 4K war, but also it's got the misinformation aspect of just all that going on at the same time. And there, there is another thing that I realized since this, this war started, actually two things. Uh, including what I said previously with that general, how fucked up is our army? We have a lot of generals that were made generals 
on the political way. Like for example, uh, for example, we have a general, one star or two star general, maybe even bigger, that he has nothing to do with the military, but he's there because he was a very good tennis player during communist regime and so on. And we have a lot of generals that they are there just because of politics. They have absolutely nothing to do with with war or military in general. So if we were not in NATO and the state of our military, it's horrible. As I said, we don't have attack helicopters. We have very old air force, like from the 50s. Our newest planes are secondhand F-16 planes. Uh, and the tanks, everything, it's, it's very old, very under-equipped. Uh, if we were not in NATO, they, the Russians or maybe even Ukrainians could take over us in like a few days and not only because of the uh, poor state of our military but also because of the mentality here I've kept re reading articles and uh, reading the comments from fellow Romanians from different groups different social people uh, nobody wants to fight for our country nobody Everybody is saying, if Russia attacks us tomorrow, I don't give a damn that we are in NATO and United uh, uh, in European Union. I'm going. I'm going away. I'm leaving this country. I do not have anything to fight for. I don't care about anything. I don't care. I think like if Russia attacks us tomorrow, to, uh, next day, tomorrow, click up, uh, <laughs> I think 90% of our people would leave. Like we don't care about this country. And that's uh, quite I mean, sad. I mean, you know, it is a thing that happens, I guess. I mean, but I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, there's certain parts probably in the United States that that would happen where people would just be like, oh, well, looks like we're being invaded. And, you know. I, 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 I heard, I, I heard, uh, I mean, I, you know, you're American, but I cannot agree with you. I mean, Americans seems very patriotic from here. <sighs> You know, it de yeah, but it it depends on the area. You know, it's such a large country. It depends on where you are, what state you're in, what's your view on your local, regional, you know, country politics and stuff. Some people would just be like, I don't think they would welcome it, but I think they, I think they'd be apathetic to it. It depending on the way the invasion happens and stuff. Because I think some states they just, you know, especially the larger states where you might not even know something's happening in your state because it's such a large state. I mean, you know, I mean, look at Ukraine, Texas, Ukraine, they're about the same size mass and not the same shape, obviously, but they're about the mm -hmm. same rough size mass. Um, so it's like, you know, you might not even know something's going on until it actually gets to you. So I, I mean, we probably, the thing is, I don't know, the United States is very weird right now in terms of, I don't want to get too far into it, but we're, we're, we're very weird in terms of our view of the country and our united or not unitedness. Um, we're kind of it all over the place, you know, you gotta, you know, I don't know. It's very weird. So I don't know how we would react. Um, but I do know that like, I feel like in your case, at least NATO would hopefully do something. Um, it wouldn't leave you guys hanging. Uh, but I mean, it's such a, it's such a tricky situation. Cause it's, it, I don't know. Uh, you, you know, th there's one more thing that I want to add. Uh, as you said, you don't really feel it until it hits you. Uh, th there are two things that scares people, and it scares people here. And 
also me as well. First of all, that's the same logic we applied for the pandemic. Uh, it's not here, it's in China, it's not going to affect oh, us, yeah, it's not yeah. a new thing uh, until it hit us. And the same people say about the war in Ukraine. Yeah, it's in the neighboring country, it's a big country, but we are a NATO country, it's not going to happen anything to us at, at all. Are you 100% sure about that? And uh, second to that, um, as we said in the previous podcast that wasn't published, I I didn't really believe Putin will invade. Why wouldn't that uh, apply for the nuclear uh, problem? Yeah. No, that's the, that's the a good point. The, the, the chances the the chances chances are smaller, very very thin, but they they are there. I think we're closer now. I think we're the closest we've been to proper nuclear annihilation. Than we have been since the Cold War. I think that's I think that's the the sad reality of this current situation, because like you said, we both thought you know this was never going to happen, and he did it. So I mean, we don't know what's going on in Putin's head. We don't know what his grand plan is. We don't know if there's anything you know. There's, there's no way to predict what he's thinking. So, and again, the, the logic of invading Ukraine seemed you know, and even then, if he would have invaded Ukraine to just secure the separatist regions. I, not that I would have, obviously not that I supported that, but I, I understand that from a, like, I can see it from a tactical or strategic point of view, but to go straight for, you know, multiple fronts, to ca- attack from multiple different areas of the country, and then to also go for the capital to then, in a sense, probably, I think, I think obviously, I think that the theory would be to take the capital, take the country kind of thing, uh, cut the head off the snake, and I that just seems like that that part I definitely did not see coming. I see the again, I, I see them trying to, you know, I see them maybe cutting land to get a uh, water line, you know, to get to water and connect that part of the separatist region down. That part I saw. And a lot of people talked about that before this happened and said that's the most likely objective. And now we're looking at this, you know, like week long bombardment of Kiev. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah, I, again, I, none of this, to me, none of this makes sense. The, 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 Russians using actual airborne operations and in an active combat zone that's not secure is mind blowing. You know, even when we used, I, I think, I think in two thousand three, I, I can't remember if we did it in, in the invasion of Iraq, but when we use airborne operations, it's very specific and it's very carefully planned and executed. The Russians seem to be just they're doing it like World War Two tactics, where they're just <laughs> dropping guys in and just saying, "All right, you, you land, you'll figure it out," blah blah blah, and then they're they're not even. They're dropping these guys in and then they're not getting there because when you drop airborne troops and the idea is that, you know, you drop them in and then a, a spearhead supposed to meet them there because otherwise they're just surrounded the entire time. And we saw them flying in uh, their cargo, you know, transports, IL 76s and getting shot down, or at least I'm pretty sure that was confirmed. Again, this stuff is so there's no way to know unless, you know, and we I don't live in Ukraine, so I don't know. But I don't know. There's two things that I want to point out uh, to what you said uh, and things that I've heard from news and from like military veterans. <clears throat> like you cannot say that United States won in Afghanistan uh, or I don't know in America it is considered that the the war against uh, the war with Iraq was won. Let's say yeah, something like that. Okay. Uh, and uh, even if you cannot say that the war in Afghanistan w- wasn't a winning a one-one, uh, 
if the Americans did it how the Russians are doing it now in Ukraine, I think there would have been much more soldiers, American soldiers, NATO soldiers that would have died in Afghanistan. What I want to say is that why are not Russians learning from NATO countries and NATO interventions like bomb everything, use your aviation as much as possible. As you said, why they don't use their, why they don't use it on night? Why do they have any ability to fight in the night time? Uh, yeah. And after you are sure you bombed everything from air and you have air supremacy, full air supremacy, even today, some people say that there are still Ukrainian uh, planes uh, flying around uh, and the drones, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So the Russians don't have air supremacy. They do not have full air support. They throw their so they throw their their soldiers everywhere. And besides that, I think this is a personal opinion: is that if Russia is not under attack, they 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 are not motivated to fight. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, and we have plenty of example uh, examples from history: First Chechen War. The war in Afghanistan, Sino-Russian yep. uh, uh, war, and so yep. on. But when Germans attacked them and came close to Moscow, they were total beasts. Yes. I would agree with that. I think you're right. I think that once they were backed in kind of into a corner, though they had all of Siberia behind them, once they were yeah. backed into that corner, Russia like went, like you said, like beast mode, and they just just demolished the German military all the way to Berlin. You know, it was like they were unstoppable. I mean, if they would have, if, if we would have just started a war between Russia and the allies right away, I don't know if we could have stopped them because they were just yeah, probably not a wall of just death coming forward. And there was nothing you can do about it. And, and they were on top of it with, you know, tactics and figuring things out. And, you know, they, you know, they started switching things up and, and doing things differently and stuff. And like you said, the fact that they didn't, they seem to, they, they almost did like a miniature version of what we do, where they use cruise missiles and, and ballistic missiles to pepper an area before going in. But it's like they did it for like three hours and said, yeah, that's good enough. They can't survive that. And then they went in there and they're like, oh, wow, they can survive that? What's going on? Like when we, when we, Desert Storm, I mean, how many, how long was the air war in Desert Storm? It was, it was, I don't want to, I don't want to say a number because I can't remember, but it was a couple of weeks if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, we, we went to town on Iraq's, you know, air anti-air capability. And then we went to town on every other hard target we could get. And we kind of did the same thing again in the invasion of Iraq in 2003. We did it in Afghanistan, although Afghanistan is a little bit different because of just the nature of their situation in 2001. But like, yeah, we, when we went in Afghanistan, we had special forces going first. And, you know, we, the difference in Afghanistan though would have been, we had unit, we had um, the Northern Alliance, or, or what would become the Northern Alliance again, uh, they were pro-American or at least pro or anti-Taliban. So we had that that pro-force. And they kind of have that in Ukraine with the separatists. So it's like, why not start, you know, I can see, again, I can see cutting off the Ukrainian army by the, where the separatists are, encircling them. But they, they kind of didn't, they're kind of doing that, but they're kind of not doing that. They're, they're spending so much resources on taking the capital that I think that they're, they're missing the 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 bigger picture, and this war just seems like 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 you said, it just seems like they didn't learn from our mistakes. They didn't learn from their own mistakes, and that they're just kind of mm -hmm. just throwing people in different directions. And it's it's 
I, I can't stop saying it because it's so weird to me. This doesn't, none of this makes sense to me because we, we've been taught for so long that Russia is a legitimate enemy or a legitimate country, a legitimate fighting force. And they right now don't seem, and maybe it's just because it's, they're invading another country. They're not good at invading other countries, which is probably yeah. a good thing. It's actually probably a really good thing that they're not good at invading other countries. It's probably a bad thing that the United States is good at invading other countries, but that's besides the point. But it's it's just, it kind of destroys that narrative that Russia's been this ultimate threat for all this time. Because clearly, unless we're being, unless this is our ruse and it's supposed to be that way, the false sense of security or some weird, crazy conspiracy like that, it it does kind of neutralize this Russia threat to Eastern or just Europe in general. I mean, yeah, I yeah. could, I'm going to say this and now Russia's going to invade Poland, but like, you know, like it, it's just because every time we say something in this, the last episode and now this, I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to say anything because it's like Russia is going to be like, oh, got to invade Poland now. Two random dudes said that we weren't going to do it. Um, I, I think I think they have no chance against Poland to be honest. Oh no, Poland is Poland's like you know what we we're sick and tired of being taken over. We're we're not allowing this anymore. They they Poland's scary. They have quite a developed military now. I mean they have well they got leopards, Abrams now, and their uh, domestic T seventy two variant, or I think it's a T seventy two variant. Uh, at this point, I mean uh, in a parallel universe, but at this point, I think. Poland could take over Germany. Yeah. Like, with their technology. Yeah, that's true, probably. Yeah. I mean, now, well, now that Germany's finally starting to think about things and they're starting to... I don't know if I like Germany beefing up their military, though. It's kind of a weird situation to be in. Probably but, for a good... I mean, for for a, bit, for a better cause this time. Hopefully. I don't think they will do the, the same thing the third or fourth time, depends what you count. I think Germany just needs to get independent from Russia's, or you know, from their energy demands from Russia, because that, that's the... I mean, even the United yeah. States relies on oil from the, from Russia. It's its a problem. Energy dependency is... And, and cheap uranium. Yeah, yeah. It's a problem. It's its a serious problem, and uh, you know, I, I don't think people will get that that's why Germany... I, mean, I think some people get it, but it's a big deal for Germany because, you know, securing energy is is one of the the most important things in infrastructure. So I can understand... I, I, I don't agree with Germany's decision and how long they waited to even help Ukraine, but I get where they're coming from, I guess. I just think that they were wrong in the sense that they should have been looking at... Germany's kind of... They're kind of in a bad situation because they're kind of landlocked a little bit. They don't really have natural resources. So they're kind of, they're not like the United States doesn't, shouldn't have to worry about this. We have resources. We're just not currently using them. And, you know, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, this whole situation is just bizarre. You know, um, I don't, I, I was, we were, all right. So I think we're actually, I think what we'll do is, cause we were going to talk about some other stuff, but I think we're actually going to wrap it up talking. Cause I think we spent, uh, I think we're, we're going to keep this episode on the shorter side i'm gonna have you come back on though soon Definitely. and then and then we'll talk surplus and stuff i know this episode didn't have anything to do with military surplus sort of although there's probably going to be a lot of military surplus hitting the the market soon um ho 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 pmk4 and stuff like that i mean i it's not, 
it's a terrible thing kind of to say, but it's kind of true. There's probably, I mean, I'd be surprised if we don't see T-72 showing up on eBay, but um, <laughs> do you want to own a Russian tank? Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of messed up, but it's kind of true. I mean, it's, it's, we're, we're going to see probably surplus showing up. Like you said, Ratnik. And uh, I would definitely like to get myself some Ratnik. That would be interesting. I would like to see how the other side thing that I want to add about this, Ukraine was already famous here in Eastern Europe for uh, gun smuggling and traffic. Oh, yeah. Imagine now, including, I've seen a picture, I don't know if it's real or not, from Ukraine with a guy on a bike cycling and his back was full. Oh, yeah, he's got a bunch of, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen that. I bet you that's real. I bet you that's real. Yeah, it's, it's, It's far from impossible. There's going to be some AS Valve park kits getting to the United States soon and some VSSs and stuff. Some people are going to have a field day with that. But yeah, I would... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and there's also AK-12 showed up in this fund. Yeah. So, which is... I know the AK-12 was adopted. I know the Russians were starting to filter them out, but that's surprising to see AK-12s. I mean, you know, that was... You know, I I just... Before we end this, I just... That blows my mind that we're seeing... I know the T-90 that got destroyed, the one that that they blew up. I'm assuming it's with an RPG or an NWA. It was abandoned, and then they destroyed it after the fact. But if that actually did happen, again, it was definitely a T-90, that part I can confirm, but who knows, you know. But that's just... I mean, I, I don't know if it's confirmed, but I remember there was a T-80 UK that was abandoned. And T-80 UKs are, I think, battalion or regimental commander tanks. So, ones, as far as I know. Yeah, so it's like that being abandoned is, is, that's weird as well. So, you know, and, and again, I can't stress that enough to people that there is Soviet equipment being used, but some of this stuff is Russia's better equipment. So, you know, it's, I mean, just, just them using, even just them using their uh, caliber cruise missiles, you know, how you know, they don't have the economy to maintain sending a, ton of cruise missiles at ukraine you know that's not cheap it's not like the united states where we're like oh there's an airfield that needs to be bombed we'll throw 144 (laughs) tomahawks at it or whatever we do you know it's just something that we do because we have the nice industrial military complex to back us up and you know it's and that's what we do like and i think that's the to height the the jump on that point from earlier talking about not learning from the united states we don't just bomb targets we obliterate targets we overkill <laughs> targets. We just we just throw as much as we can at it and then go, okay, now we're going in. And that's how we've always seemed to... We've done that since at least Desert Storm that's been like, you know, but we've always done that. Vietnam, we dropped more bombs in Vietnam, I'm pretty sure, in one bombing campaign than all of World War Whoa. II. So, Whoa. yeah. I, I, I can't remember if it was uh, Linebacker 2 or if it was Rolling Thunder, but one of the two uh, bombing campaigns... I think it was linebacker too, and I think it was on North Vietnam. That was when we opened up the floodgates to bombing North Vietnam. We dropped more bombs, I think, on that campaign alone than all of World War II. So the United States is not, um, we're not, you know, shy about using air power. And I was surprised that Russia, you know, they lost SU-25 Frogfoots in Ukraine. They've lost a couple now, a few. And that's, again, that's their A-10, to put it in perspective, that, yeah, you know, yeah. Everyone loves the A-10. That's their A-10, basically. And it's a pretty survivable <laughs> aircraft, too, like the A-10. So seeing that get shot down, you know, I, the, the, before we go, because I keep saying that, but the craziest part about this from where is their anti-air uh, 
their CAD. Where's their their, their SEAD? Their CAD. Um, it doesn't seem like they're using it. It doesn't seem like they're using anti-radiation missiles to take out. You, you know, I know some of it's man pads, so there's not much you can do about man pads. But there's got to be some. I I know I've seen Strelas, uh, the Strela based um, MTLBs. There's that one driving around Kiev, running over people and stuff. Um, <laughs> Because that was the everyone talked about that being a Russian vehicle, and that was a Ukrainian MTLB with a strobe on it. Uh, yeah. That was not a Russian vehicle. That was a Ukrainian. Why it <sighs> swerved, I don't know. I mean, I've heard multiple different takes on it. It's a terrible situation. The guy survived, so it's at least the guy survived, which is wild to me. He gets run over by an MTLB, um, you know. And I, it is. I will say it's funny seeing the Russians use so many MTLBs because the MTLB is the M13 to Russia. So, like, you know, U.S. has the M13, uh, which is just aluminum box. The MTLB is literally that for Russia, and it's, like, it's an aluminum box. There's nothing to it. That's why you keep seeing these photos of them where there's, like, a track link left and, like, a piece of metal scrap sticking out. And that was an MTLB at one point because it just got obliterated, probably by a javelin, but maybe an law. So it's just... I think that's wild. So we've gone for 40 minutes. I think we've set our piece on this. Well, I don't think we have set our piece because this is not ending. Uh, the situation is terrible in Ukraine. I just want to make sure that's said. Um, I want to thank you for coming on and talking and giving your perspective because I think it's important. My, my pleasure. Thank yeah, you. dude, because I, I think you have a unique uh, perspective on this because, you know, again, most of the people that watch this podcast from the, the analytics tell me is they're United, they're from the United States. And, you know, I think we in the United States get a very, I think we get a very weird version of the world. And unless you're really paying attention, you don't fully see the picture always. Uh, may I add one thing? I'll make yeah, it as sure. short as possible. Yeah, go I ahead. Think I've, I've uh, told you this in private on Instagram, uh, but at the first, on the first day or second day of, of the war, a, a Ukrainian SU-27 uh came came into romanian airspace airspace it was escorted uh somewhere in romania uh, the military base and after a, a week or so he was released he was uh, fully equipped no rocket was shot no bullet was shot a lot of people thought he he's a traitor some people said that he didn't have a place to land a place where to land uh we don't know why he came here actually but a few days ago, he was released with his plane, but mm. with no rockets, no ammo, only fuel. And guess what? It was escorted by Ukrainian uh, planes after he crossed the border. So there's still some Ukrainian Air Force. Interesting. Yeah. That is, uh, yeah, I do remember you saying that. Yeah, that's, that's interesting that that's because when you told me that, all you knew was that he was, you know, landed and you didn't, you know, that's an interesting update on that, that they just, it's weird that they sent them back with nothing. Like, aren't we uh, arming the Ukrainians? Like, why would he send them back? With, I mean, I guess if I he was think, a deserter. Uh, I, I think it's uh, like an international law or something like that. Maybe if they would send him back with the rockets and all of the equipment, maybe Russian Russians would say, oh, okay, so you can go to Romania. Uh, yeah, to, rearm, like, yeah. A neutral country. Okay, they they don't seem so neutral right now. Yeah, I guess you know. Yeah, that's a good point. That could be it. They could Russia could see it as oh, you're going to Ukraine. Your Ukrainians are going to Romania to rearm. You know what is this? 
what is this happening? Yeah, no, I get yeah. that. That makes sense. It's just, it's funny to think about that we're like convoys of trucks full of like, you know, anti-tank rockets are crossing the border, but they're like, hey, you got to go back without your missiles. Sorry. We'll put them on a yeah. truck though. They probably put them on a truck and sent them back over. But like, it's just the concept of it. It's, it's bizarre. All right. Yeah. Well, I think we'll, we'll end it. I, I, this will be going hopefully live today. Uh, I'm just going to edit it real quick, throw it oh, up there. Great. So, uh, and then I will be, you know, you'll, you'll see it and stuff. Um, but I uh, hope everyone enjoyed this take. I hope everyone understands our opinions on this and stuff. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, you know, you can comment and stuff and talk about it. That's cool. Um, try to keep it civil. Um, and that's pretty much it. So uh, I'm just going to say, you know, uh, that's, you know, thanks for coming on and uh, we'll see you next next episode, which hopefully will be good. So see you later, everyone.